You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cavs podcast. I'm Chris Manning from FearTheSword.com. I'm back from a little hiatus, but joining me today to talk about something that I think every Cavs fan is dreading talking about, but I think is a discussion that's not going to go away just based on the status of the player, his contract, the team's timeline, and everything like that, is Greg Schwartz to talk about Kevin Love. Greg, what's going on, buddy? Uh, it's good to be back on with you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, we're post-draft. Cavs, it's July 7th. The Cavs have been linked to maybe like one free agent at this point in being Justin Holiday. Um, I just will repeat this so people sort of know. The Cavs were never going to be active in free agency. I, that was the last thing that I asked Kobe Allman on draft night. And he basically said as much. They don't have a lot of money. The JR thing is, you know, we have eight days until we see sort of what will ultimately happen with, with the J.R. Smith's contract. But... Uh, Greg, you wrote about this, and we'll, some of the trades that you outlined, um, certainly in the wake of the Kawhi Paul George thing and some of the other moves that have been made, they're a little different now. The framework of those deals that you threw out there is is a little bit different. But I, I kind of want to start big picture on, on this. Do you find that trading Kevin Love or the idea of trading Kevin Love is, like, how fruitful do you find that that concept besides, you know, what they could get back or where he might go? Do you find that to be something that is really worth a discussion point if you're Kobe Allman? I think it's worth listening to, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of teams, because I think there's probably, for the first time in a long time, there's probably 10 teams or maybe more that, have an argument that they could win the NBA title next year. You want to run, let's, and, run, let's run through them, just so because some of these teams may come up. Let's just run through the teams that you and I both maybe think could be that team. So I would say, looking at the a list in alphabetical order, um, you know, Brooklyn's a team that could get there in like twenty when KD gets back. Um, right, not next year, but in yeah. two years. Sorry, so are you are you including Denver on that list? Yes. Okay, so the Warriors. Yes. Houston. Yes. Clippers. Obviously. Oh, yeah, both L.A. teams. Yeah, both L.A. teams. Then you get into Milwaukee. You get into um, Philadelphia, Portland, and Utah. Those would be my teams. Is there, am I missing anyone that's kind of on your mind? Uh, right off the bat, I think you name most of them. There's like, I, I mean, there's really only two from the East I would put up there, you know, like if you're talking, you know, Brooklyn in two years. But if I would say Philly and um, – and Milwaukee from the East, and then the West, you've got, yeah, you've got like eight teams in the West that are like really, really, really good. And, you know, we don't even talk about a team like the Spurs that, you know, could win 50 games and maybe go to the West Finals, but, you know, are maybe even one move away from being a a legit title contender. So uh, the league's wide open right now. Yeah, it feels that way. Uh, I I guess my gut tells me that – my very early prediction, and we'll kind of move off this, is it's one of the Lakers 
one of these four teams will want to be the one of the two teams you mentioned these milwaukee philly or one of the la teams that's just kind of where i am right now just because of the the wattage um in terms of star mm-hmm. power on those two teams but i could very well be wrong but here's here's the thing that the kevin love landscape is a little bit different now than we would have looked at it i would say a week ago um Portland is like the team that I think just makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. That I mean, does the Hassan Whiteside thing change that for them? I mean, maybe, but I I don't think Hassan Whiteside's like all that, like like maybe that he gets involved in the deal somehow or whatever. Um, I I I do think he should not be untouchable. Like if you get a big offer and you can get a couple assets back for him, and particularly if Kevin goes to Kobe Alma, which at this time we we don't know, and I I would stress that there's a lot of unknown with Kevin, and that we don't know what he totally thinks of the Cavs. Don't do exit interviews, so we don't know what he thinks of Colin Sexton. We don't know what he thinks of Darius Garland. We don't know what he thinks of John Beeline. We know him and Beeline have talked at least a couple times, but we don't really know like where his head is actually at with where the Cavs are at right now. Um, we've barely heard him talk like that. I think the biggest comment he's made this summer is that like he was like interested, like Mark Cuban appealed to him as a 2020 candidate or something like that, like something just kind of weird. With with Kevin, if he came to Kobe Altman and was like, look, like you know, I really did think we were going to be a fringe playoff team last year. We're not there right now. I don't think we're going to get there anytime soon. I would like to see if we could facilitate me getting somewhere. Here's some teams that sort of appeal to me that I, that I think are good. Can we maybe try to get something worked out there? The Cavs are not beholden to do that, but I do think if Kevin did that, I would probably look to do that. At the same time, I also think you canvass the league, and I think you, there could be a team that could talk themselves into Kevin and say, look, we have – Maybe these next two years, if he comes in and is healthy and is the Kevin Love that we sort of know, the league's open right now. Like, we, there's no Uber team that's going to hunt him down. Like, there, there's there's some room for a guy like Kevin, and Kevin is is a top thirty player in the league. That guy's going to help you win a title. I don't, I don't, I'm not in a rush to do it. I would not like make it the number one thing to do on my to do list if I'm the Cavs. But I'm obviously, I don't think you close the door on it. I think that would be a short sighted move. Yeah, I, well. I think the the market for Kevin Love will actually heat up a little bit as we go into the season, presuming that he stays healthy. If he suffers another major injury, obviously that changes everything. Yeah, like if he has a back injury, bye bye trade value. Like if he has a back injury, keeps him out four months. Like this this contract right. just becomes like that. That is when like the contract, and then I promise I won't cut you off. But that that is where like the contract, which a lot of people think is one of the worst three in the NBA, and I don't quite think that. If he has a significant injury at any point in the next two years. And like, looks like he's just gonna keep having issues. That is when this contract becomes a big concern. And for the Cavs, that's where it becomes maybe untradeable, where like maybe the the talk of like they have to attach an asset to to get off it becomes a thing. Like that's where it becomes a problem. Right now, I don't think it is that. No, I don't. I don't think it's it's not at an Andrew Wiggins level where you know at least Kevin. You know when he's healthy, he's, he's probably still an All Star. Wiggins, Wall, I mean, Westbrook, all worse. Right. I mean he's. he's a very very good player when he's still healthy. I you know he's I don't know that he's even the second best player on a title team. He's probably the third best player on a title team at this point. But you know if I think the if he's healthy, the market for him is only going to get stronger because what's going to happen is you're going to go into the season. There's going to be all these teams that start out with these high playoff aspirations, and you're going to look for a team, let's say Portland, because they need a power forward that makes sense. Um, obviously the home connection there. 
that, you know, just came off a trip to the Western Conference Finals. Now, you know, with the Lakers being better and the Clippers being better and you've got Denver at the top and Gold State's still going to be a strong team. Um, Utah, obviously, is better. You know, let's say a team like Portland falls back from the three seed to the four, the five, the six. You know, let's say they're hanging out around that six or seven seed. All of a sudden, they realize, oh, we don't have a chance at a title unless we make a move. And how many stars right now are on the trade market? You know, it, you could say, you know, potentially Bradley Beal will get there. He's not there now. Um, teams have checked in on him. I think the, the Clippers were the latest team that tried to acquire him uh, when Kawhi Leonard was potentially going to sign there before they traded for Paul George. And there's not a lot of, you know, potential stars that you could say, well, yeah, their teams are looking to move them. So I think that's going to make – Kevin Love's value a little bit better. You know, he starts off the season and he's putting up 20 points and 11 rebounds a game and, you know, having a real strong season and and staying relatively healthy. And, yeah, I think you're going to see a team like Portland or, you know, a a, a team that had title aspirations that maybe are are slipping away a little bit that say we need help. Um, You know, we're not in love with his contract, but – this could be the piece that's going to push us back to that Western Conference Finals and potentially give us a chance to go to the finals. So I think that's where the market for Love is going to be. I'd also like to say I don't want the Cavs to trade Kevin Love, but it's a conversation that we need to have. Um, I think he holds a lot of value in Cleveland improving the young core around him. As Chris Manning always likes to say, you don't take the adults out of the room. Uh, you need a couple in there. So, And Kevin is, is certainly that. So I, I don't want the Cavs to trade him, at least not yet, but uh, certainly it's something that we, we have to be prepared for. All right, so let's say the Cavs, let's just look at the roster but as we wrap up this kind of first segment here. If you're looking at the roster as it is at, on July 7th, 2019, this is the Cavs roster outside of Kevin Love. You have J.R. Smith for a, uh, like a max eight more days. Tristan Thompson, Brandon Knight, Clarkson, Nance Jr., John Henson, Deli, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Jetty Osmond, Ante Zizic, Dylan Windler, and Kevin Porter Jr. There will be one or two other new guys, depending on what they do. You have and you have Dean Wade on a two-way contract for next season, and you know you, Jerron Blossom game could be back in a two-way deal. You could have someone else in that two-way slot. I would assume that that's something they're going to do. You take Kevin Love out of this. There is not one player on the roster that I think you can like the the Cavs are not going to be good next year. I don't think that. No. I'm starting to put out my tiers of teams. They're in my lower certainly in one in if not the lowest tier, the second to lowest tier. They're going to especially defensively, they're going to be a disaster. There's just no way that's going to change right now. You take Kevin Love out of that. Not only is their floor much worse, I think it becomes a lot harder to construct even if Beeline's offense is good and and is designed to create good looks. I just like have a real concern that putting so much pressure on Kevin Porter Jr. on on Jetty on Sexton on Garland to be the and, and Nance frankly based on like sixty games of him being a, a good passer. If you're asking those guys to be the burden of the creation, that's asking a lot of that group. I think, and I don't know what that gets you right. Like I don't know if you take away Kevin Love, who could be an All Star in the East next year, who should who Mike Zavgano was tweeting about this on Sunday has like really good spot up numbers, should do really well in offensive system, is maybe not the lead lead guy anymore, but can still be like a really key offensive piece. I don't know how just removing him out of there and not getting, and depending on what you get back, I don't know how you can actually replace that. Now the package, when some of the, which we'll get into, we can talk about. Beeline's offense being such a, uh, if the offense does translate in a way that works, should be something we sort of, that sort of mitigates some of these issues. But 
I, I, I wonder what, if you just take Kevin Love out and you put a couple other things in or whatever, I just wonder what that, what that ultimately does for development. And that, that's, that is my biggest concern more so than like, I like watching Kevin Love play. I think he's a really interesting human being, etc. Like if I'm the Cavs, that is my biggest concern is like, if I take Kevin Love out of this right now, or like middle of year one for Darius, year two for Colin, year three for Jetty, year one for Kevin Porter Jr. and Windler. What does that do for them? Like, how does that impact them? And how negative is it compared to the upside of what we're getting back? That, to me, is probably the, the crux of what I'm asking about when I'm thinking about Kevin Love trades. Yeah, I mean, we basically saw what, what the result of not having Kevin Love around, you know, those guys last year when Love missed 60 games. I mean, we basically saw that. We saw a team that, you know, was forced to ask way too much of Colin Sexton uh, as a rookie. And, you know, it wasn't just... Kevin going down. We had Tristan Thompson missing so much time as well. Um, you know, you take kind of those veterans away and you ask way too much of these rookies. Yeah, it, it just becomes, you know, so much tougher for the younger guys when you take, you know, a guy like Kevin Love out of your locker room and out, off your court because, you know, just to have a guy that has been to multiple finals, has won a championship, has been a five-time All-Star in this league, you know, that's, that's your safety net. That's your go-to guy. Whereas, you know, if you don't have that, then you're probably taking a lot of inefficient shots at the end of the shot clock. Uh, you don't have that safety blanket that you can go to. You don't have that big man that can space the floor for you and make your job easier. So, you know, if you take Kevin Love out and you say, well, you know, we want to move him for, you know, a draft pick or an expiring contract, you know, long-term that might help your, your salary situation. And, you know, maybe you hit on that draft pick, but, what does that do for the people you already have on your team? You know, what does that do for Darius Garland when he needs that lane, uh, that lane open to get, you know, to the, to the basket? What does that do for Colin Sexton when he needs a, a good screen to get open for that three-pointer? I mean, there's just so many ways that a guy like Love contributes and helps out the younger guys that really you got to think, you know, cost. What does that mean for your development of these players and how much does that hurt you and set those guys back if you move a guy like Love? So I think that's something you got to you know take into consideration as well. All right, we're going to be right back with more. Uh, we're going to do some kind of the, the 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 level of package we think the Cavs would need to get um, in order to move on from Love. But stay tuned for more of Locked On Cavaliers with me and Greg. All right, and we're back, Greg. I just want to say, I think Portland remains to me like a very interesting team and all of this, but I will just say, like, I do not think the Cavs, when they trade Kevin Love, based on what I've been told, based on like all the other reporting by people that are way more connected than me that, that is out there. I do not think the Cavs are getting someone like CJ McCollum at, at the CJ McCollum level back. If the Cavs are trading Kevin Love, it is going to be some combination of young players and picks and money to match, right? Like, so maybe they're going to get another salary that that team does not want, but they're going to get young players and picks back. I don't know how, I don't, they're obviously not getting anything close to what the Clippers just gave up, nor do I think like some of the other deals we've seen in the last couple years. Like, I don't think they're getting anything quite like that, but if you could get something kind of like a, a version of, I, I think the Cavs could be probably comfortable getting something like the version of, what, let's say, Indiana got in Sabonis and Oladipo. Now, like, Sabonis and Oladipo both really hit. I think the Cavs would probably, like, a pick or something like that back, and, and maybe there's not young guys of that pedigree that they're going to get back because it, Paul George is, is a level of above what, what Kevin Love is. But that's kind of the framework I think you're looking at. You're not going to get 
I think you're hoping to get like two to three assets and and maybe not even like A plus assets, but decent assets. I think if you're trading love, that's kind of the realistic thing that you'd be getting, unless a team freaks out and overpays, which all does take one team, but that doesn't seem to be something that is going to happen. Um, I'd be surprised at least that right now this could change by the deadline, and that's a reason to wait maybe. That's kind of, I think, where the, the incentive t- t- could come of where you just get over blown away by a team that just is like all right screw it let's just go for it right now yeah i, I if you're looking at like let's say portland because uh, obviously that's a, a popular choice they're probably going to need a third guy especially with nurkic out right now we don't know when he's going to be back from his broken leg if you think we're getting cj mccollum who's 27 you know on a on a good deal if you and think plays the same position as the Cavs' last two top picks Right. If you think we're getting C.J. McCollum for Kevin Love, uh, you're dreaming. There's there's no chance, zero chance Portland would do a move like that. Would Portland want Kevin Love? Absolutely they would. Would they give up either member of their backcourt? No, no, not a, not a chance. If you think, uh, if you're trying to put together a, a potential deal to Portland for Kevin Love, I think the, the obvious first person you're getting back is Hassan Whiteside because you have to match the salaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cavs... He makes about twenty-seven million. Love's going to be making about twenty-nine. That's that's your salary filler. Obviously, you're not just going to take us on Whiteside. He's on an expiring deal, which is nice. That's great, but you're probably going to ask for either a first-round pick, uh, Anthony Simons, one of their young guys that has some upside, and that's it. Because that's about the best that you can ask. With given Love's injury history, uh, given his contract, you know those are things that other teams are going to you know kind of consider when they're debating about how much they're going to give up uh, to acquire a guy like Love. So if, if you think we're going to get C.J. McCollum or somebody that good, uh, we're not. You're, you're looking at expiring salary. You're looking at probably a late first-round draft pick and, and maybe a young player that's you know stashed on somebody's bench like, like Simons is um, for Portland. So um, if you're okay with that, you know, if you're Kobe Altman and Kevin Love says, I want out, um, you know, that that's probably what you can expect as a Cavs fan to get back. All right, so if you're looking at guys on Portland that would be of interest. So Zach Collins, I think, jumps out because he um, would they might not need him quite as much if they were to get Kevin Love, and he's shown some flashes of being a really speed. I think he could fit well with um, Larry Nance, and I, th- and I think that kind of factors into this as well if you're the Cavs. Has two years of team control left before a restricted free agency. Then you get into Fernie Simmons, who you mentioned, um, has three years of team control left through 2020, the 2021-2022 season. Is very raw, but would be is an interesting wing prospect. And then you have Nazir Little, who they got, who fell to them late in the dra- in the first round of this year's draft. Um, and you got, and he has four years of team control as a rookie. So if you were to get one of those three guys. I think Simmons is probably the guy I would want the most. Um, I don't know if you're getting him because I, it seems like they're very high on him and they do kind of need some of that wing depth and maybe they're hoping he can play. So maybe if you could get Collins, Whiteside, and a pick, I would – like that's kind of like where I think this would be realistically done. And, and I, I like I don't think you're getting little Collins and a pick. Like maybe you get both players, no. maybe, but you're not getting, I think, a pick and two guys. Like that to me seems – like, unless Portland, unless the league is just, like, so open that they're just, like, screw it, but that doesn't seem to be the Neil O'Shea um, kind of no. model, like, that's that's where you, that happens. That just doesn't seem to be the team that would do it. Yeah, I, I, I think you kind of hit the nail right there. You you might get 
one of those young players back, I'd, I'd be surprised if they gave up little just because I think they were thrilled to be able to get him at number 25, one spot in front of the Cavs. Uh, I didn't think anybody thought he was going to fall that far in the draft. So, And they need wings. I mean, they traded Mo Harkless away. So they, they need guys that can play the wing uh, like Little can. So I think Zach Collins is probably the best you could expect to get back. Um, former lottery pick, shown flashes as, as a center there. But, again, uh, you know, maybe they're willing to part with him. But what, at what time frame? Because – they need a center, and in that deal, you'd have to be taken back on Whiteside, who they traded for for the sole purpose of, well, we need somebody to keep the seat warm until Nurkic recovers. So if they're sending out Nurkic, or they're waiting on Nurkic, and they're sending out Whiteside, and they're sending out um, uh, Zach Collins, then you know where does that leave them? I guess Kevin Love can play a little bit of center, but I think he'd prefer to play the four. So the Portland's another team to keep an eye on, but I, I think there's some other strong contenders out there as well. All right, give me another Kevin Love landing spot that you would be intrigued by. What what kind of package they could put together slash that also maybe matches their need for Kevin Love? There, there's two more teams that jump out at me. I would have said Utah um, before they signed Bogdanovich. Uh, I think he's probably going to be their, their stretch four. They paid him a lot of money. Um, that was, you know, that, that probably would have been Derek Favors coming back for a salary filler, uh, maybe Dante Exum. But I, I think Utah is probably out of the running now. And that, that's a shame. I thought that would have been a really good fit for Kevin, especially playing next to Derek Favors in the post, or um, uh, Rudy Gobert in the post. Yeah, him and Gobert would be, like, amazing. If you're looking at, like, giving someone to cover for Kevin on defense, like, that's that's pretty sure. great. Yeah, so I, I think one of the primary destinations, and we don't know what they're going to do, but I think one of the primary destinations for Kevin Love that just opened up is Oklahoma City. And I kind of put together, even before they traded Paul George, I thought Love made a lot of sense there. You know, obviously, even with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, they weren't making it out of the first round. And, you know, as good as Steven Adams is, he's not going to give you a reliable third scoring option. He, he gives you about 13 points a game. He rebounds. He sets good screens. He defends. But, you know, can he be the third best player on a title team? I don't know. So I, I kind of thought they made sense as a love destination before. And now, you know, let's say let's say they want to, you know, keep contending and they're not going to trade Russell Westbrook. Obviously, they need a secondary score. You know, Gallinari averaged over 20 points a game last year, but I, I don't think he's somebody you want to – rely on as your second best player or scorer on a team. Um, obviously, there's the UCLA history there between Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook. That makes sense. So, And they have a ton of draft picks now uh, that they can use as trade bait to send out um, that they got from the Clippers for Paul George. So if you're looking at the deal there, and let's say they want to keep Steven Adams, because I'm sure they'd want to keep Steven Adams, especially if they got Kevin Love to kind of help cover for him defensively. I think, you know, if you're looking at salary filler, there's a couple different guys you could send out. You know, the most obvious is Gallinari. He's making about $22 million. Um, you'd have to add one more contract on that. Jeremy Grant or somebody else to get that up loves 29. And, you know, you, you ask for one of those picks. They have a lot of good picks. Uh, they've got the 2021 unprotected Miami pick that's been traded about 13,000 times already. They've got a couple unprotected picks you know, from the Clippers. A lot of those are in the future. I think you'd want to get one as soon as you could. And, you know, that's a team, too, that 
I think they'd want to take on J.R. Smith and, and save that $10 million. Even after trading Paul George, they're, I think, $15 million uh, into the luxury tax already. And that's, you know, trading a guy that made $34 million. So I think that's a team that's going to need another piece. I think that's a team that's going to be interested in Kevin Love. And, you know, certainly they have the draft draft assets to, you know, make a put together a good package for them. Yeah, they're 11 over the tax. I guess the my question there with them is, um, they're clearly, I, I just wonder, is ownership they're going to be willing to pay Kevin Love a lot going forward as Russell Westbrook makes a lot and kind of ages? Is that what, like, are they going to try to pivot to building around SGA, around Baisley, around whatever other young guys they kind of bring up the next couple years? Like, I wonder if, like, that's where they're headed more so than getting Kevin Love. Um, especially because, like, they're $11 million in the tax right now. And, like, that's, like, maybe not even a playoff team in the West. Like that's right. that's where that one it, to me is like a little dicey. Um, I would say the other team in the West. And there's one team in the East that we'll talk about, um, kind of the wrap up the show in the last segment. But I think Phoenix kind of would be interesting too. They have the con- they're not like a contender. You wrote about this, but I think the package you kind of outlined, which is uh, Tyler Johnson, Dario Sarge, Mikael Bridges, kind of to me, I'd be good with that. Like. Johnson, you just take the salary to match it. You let it go. Sarich, you know, you're going to have to pay him. If the Cavs don't like him, that kind of negates some of this. But I really like Bridges. He's a modern wing. The Cavs need a guy like that, I think, especially post-taking Darius Garland. Um, And he could kind of help put Jetty more into the role. I think he's supposed to be in as a 2-3 and not a 3-4-5. Love and Jones are tight. I wonder, like, that. that's the kind of guy that I think could really help Devin Booker. Um, and, and help Aiton and, and kind of there's some interest there interest there for me in terms of that and just I like Mikhail Bridges and maybe you could get one of their other young pieces or like some kind of pickback or just something like that like I'm I you know I wouldn't have been interested in Josh Jackson um, I ugh, like he's just a lot of blah there for me but you look at that roster you know would you take you don't really need a Kobo um, Ty Jerome I theoretically could still make some sense Cam Johnson would be like a shooter on the wing that could kind of have some appeal so you could get like Bridges and Johnson and Johnson I could live with that um, it's not like the, the most fun thing in the world but like he would help them and I don't historically their cap space hasn't done them any good anyway so maybe Kevin Love is the kind of the thing that would make sense for them that that to me just seems like a logical fit just in terms of a team that like could just use another adult in the room. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, when I was put together Kevin Love hypothetical Kevin Love trade packages, that was the one team that wasn't a contender. You know, that wasn't expected to make the playoffs that immediately came to mind because of that James Jones connection. Now that he's the full time general manager in Phoenix, I mean, just the relationship that they had in Cleveland, the fact that you know Kevin Love called James Jones like the the best teammate he's ever had um you know that relationship there I think could certainly spark uh, some trade interest you know the Phoenix is a franchise that they've tried to get that big free agent for a long time I mean they tried to get LaMarcus Aldridge when when he was a free agent from Portland ultimately goes to San Antonio they tried to get or maybe they even did have a meeting with Blake Griffin before he resigned a five-year deal with the Clippers before he was traded I mean they pursued these all-star high-level power forwards for a long time. And, you know, this might be their chance to get one. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now that they have Ricky Rubio, point guard, they've got a veteran, a point guard. You put a veteran like Kevin Love at power forward, you've got obviously a dynamic score in Devin Booker at shooting guard. Um, You know, we don't know how good he is efficiently on on a good team, but he can certainly score. DeAndre Ayton, 16-10, and 
as a rookie at center. Uh, you know, you fill in that roster. I don't know that that's a playoff team in the West this year, but, you know, maybe even as soon as next year, especially if you see a big leap from a guy like Aiton and, and Booker and you've got Rubio, who's a pass-first point guard, which that team desperately needed. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of like that they got rid of Josh Jackson. He did, he did nothing for me. I thought he kind of took shots away from guys that were more deserving. So you put Kevin Love in there, you know, Tyler Johnson, that guy making $19 million expiring deal, that's primarily your salary filler. I don't know how much they like Sarek. Obviously, that was part of that draft night trade that landed him Cam Johnson. I'd be surprised if they gave you Cam Johnson, you know, first-round pick. Uh, certainly a guy that the Cavs could use, but if you could get Bridges, a guy that can actually play defense, was one of the few guys on Phoenix that did play defense last year as a rookie. Um, I, I, he'd be a rotation piece for you. I don't know if he'd be a starter. Sark's a guy you could start at power forward and be that stretch guy. You know, uh, if you if he requests a trade and he wants to go to Phoenix and be reunited with James Jones, um, you could certainly pull a couple of rotation pieces off their team. Yeah, I think that's about right. We're going to take one more break, and then we're going to be back with more uh, with Greg Schwartz talking about Kevin Love and another last landing spot we'll get into. So stay tuned for more of Lockdown Cavs. All right, Greg. I just want to, like, I just think this is, like, if there's a team in the East that could put together something that I think the Cavs could talk themselves into, and this is, like, going to make Cavs fans, and, and I think me a little bit too, be very jarring to see him in this certain city. It's the Boston Celtics. <laughs> you look at that team, and maybe like Atlanta too, but I don't think Love quite fits what they're doing. Like that, that would be interesting. Um, I don't know if they would do that, I guess. But you look at Boston. They have Kemba. They have Marcus Morlock in the next couple of years. They have um, they they have some you know some young guys. I don't know who you're getting back from them or like how interested they would they would be in doing it. Gordon Hayward's the salary match, and look, he only has, he's functionally could be, like, I doubt he would turn down $34 million guaranteed at this point, but he's only locked in for two years. Um, the Cavs had some interest in him before, dating back to Kyrie Irving. Like, if there's a team in the East that that makes sense for, he's, they're kind of the team, I think. Um, I don't love that. I don't, that'd be really jarring to see him in that situation, but... You know, maybe Indiana, I guess, or there's some other, like, you know, maybe Miami, but they seem to be hoarding cap space, and, and the Knicks don't have much to really offer. doesn't fit the Orlando kind of template right now. Washington's like a tire fire. You go down the list. If there's a team of these, it's kind of Boston, and that's that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I would hate to trade Kevin Love to Boston. You know, I, as a Cleveland fan who, you know, grew up despising everything Boston, you, you'd hate to see that, but... If you're like, speaking, you'd actually hate you know, to see that. Like, not even a meme. You just, like, actually would hate to see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, You actually would hate to see that because you'd be making the Celtics a lot better team, um, especially if Love's healthy. And that's a major hole on their roster right now is power forward. They were loaded with wings. Um, you know, you've got Jason Tatum. You've got Hayward. You've got Jalen Brown. You've got Marcus Smart. You've got um, Ken Walker, obviously, now point guard. I mean, they're, they're fine at the wing position. You know, they need big men. They lost Al Horford. They lost... Marcus Morris, who is a starting power forward. I mean, they need – I don't know who's starting for them at power forward right now. Um, I mean, they might have to turn to a rookie at this point. But if you add a guy like Kevin Love, you know, does he match up with the time frame of your Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? No, but you also have Kimball Walker, who's going to turn 30 this year. And I would think you'd want to maximize his prime 
as much as you could, especially, you know, Walker's a guy that he, he doesn't have a lot of size. So you got to be worried, okay, what's this guy going to look like, you know, especially when he's 32, 33, and we just sign him to this four-year deal. If you want to maximize Kemba Walker's prime, if you want to add a guy that's going to help develop your young guys, uh, why not a big man that can space the floor like Love? And, you know, I, the one problem I see is you couldn't play Love and, and, and Ennis Cantor together. No. Uh, that would be just a train wreck defensively. Um, you'd have either have to play Love at center and go small with Tatum at the power forward, or you put Love at power forward and you maybe use Robert Williams as kind of a defensive big at your center position. But you know, if you're just looking from a fit for that roster, I think that makes sense. Hayward obviously makes about the same amount of money. That's a contract I'm sure Boston would love to get off of. And, you know, Celtics fans certainly think he's going to come back to full strength and, and be an all-star again like he was in Utah. I, I, I don't know that's going to happen. Uh, I was there the night he got hurt in Cleveland, and it was bad, and, and he showed signs of coming back. But he's never going to be the same player again. And if you're Cleveland, you know, I, I think if you take back Hayward, you could have a role for him. He could be – you know, you're Kevin Love in, in terms of your veteran. They can help facilitate. They can help spread the floor. But he, he's not as good. Um, if you're Cleveland, at least his contract comes off the books two years earlier. But you need some draft compensation. Number one, you ask for the Memphis pick that they own next year, which is project, protected one through six. Uh, the year after that, it's completely unprotected. You look at Memphis, they're going to be bad. That pick's going to be in the top ten uh, for the next two years at least, I would assume, you know, with their young roster. So if Boston says no to that, I think you ask for multiple first-round picks because they're going to be good again. Boston's going to be a playoff team if everybody's healthy there. And, you know, those picks are going to be in the 20s. So if if you're going to give up Kevin Love and take back a bad contract like Gordon Hayward, I, I think you ask for multiple first-round picks. And I'd, I'd hate to trade Kevin Love to Boston, but I could see where a team like the Celtics would have interest in him. Any other? Do you have any last thoughts on this? Um, I just say like I think there's a downside to it that probably isn't acknowledged enough in the way we sort of talk about basketball right now. But I also do get it. I think there's like a line you just have to walk in this trade of getting something back that matters and maximizing what Kevin Love is, which is still a very good player. You could help guys out, but I think there is a line there you kind of got to walk in the right way. Yeah, and we need. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, like you said, we. The Cavs don't do exit interviews. We don't know what Kevin wants, and I think that's important. Um, you know, certainly when he signed that four-year deal last summer, he had to know that this was a possibility. Him and his agent had to sit down like, you know, look, look what happened to Cleveland the last time LeBron left. I mean, they completely bottomed out. And, yeah, we have some good veteran pieces, and we have Tristan Thompson and George Hill and Kyle Korver and Ronnie Hood and these guys, but, you know, this this is maybe an eighth, eighth seed uh, playoff team at best, um, a team that could certainly bottom out, a team with a lot of veterans and guys that are going to be coming off their contracts, you know, in two years. And I, I think he had to know this was a possibility. So is Kevin still going to be happy, you know, playing on a, a 20, 25 win team, maybe 30 in Cleveland, or is he going to want to go join a contender while he's still in the prime of his career? I mean, after he spent six years in Minnesota, he requested a trade. He wanted out. Uh, he wanted to taste the postseason, and he did that. But is, is he satisfied? Is he satisfied with one ring, and you know, essentially only playing in three finals? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Kevin's a pretty quiet guy. Um, if you follow his Instagram, he's been best life, best summer. life this summer. Uh, 
Yeah, he's he, yeah, he's. It's amazing what when you when you have money and 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 no kids, what you can do in a summer. Um, it, we we don't know what Kevin wants, and you know, I I would love to do right by Kevin if he wants out and he asks for it behind the scenes respectfully. I I think you grant him that request, but he he just brings so much value to this team, and uh, I, I at least hope they keep him going into the season, and then and then we'll see what kind of offers they get. All right, last question, last thing. Just give me one. Summer League hasn't been that much fun. Do you have any Summer League takes? Any Summer League takes? Well, I, you know what? I think it's a shame that we're not seeing a lot of the tough guys. I mean, obviously Zion being shot. And it's the right thing. I get it. I get it. You know, Zion has the knee bruise. You shut him down. Darius Garland, he's coming off the knee surgery. You don't want to play him. I get it. Um, but, you know, I, I'd love to see – just especially with Garland, like I'd love to see what he's capable of doing. All we have are these YouTube clips of four full games at Vanderbilt. I can't wait to see what he's going to be. I think he's, you know, arguably one of the best players in the draft. And I think really we would be having a really good conversation between him and John Morant, which guy was going to go higher. Um, you know, I no offense to summer league, but I can't wait to get to the start of the regular season and, see him and Kevin Porter Jr. and these guys and you know we, we got to see Dylan Windler a little bit and certainly he can shoot but I'm excited to see those two other guys because I think they have really good upside and certainly they're how they turn out is really going to affect the future of the Cavs. Yeah my one thing that I'll say is that Dylan Windler is going to start shooting shots from like 30 feet out and beyond and I'm like really here for that. And make them. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm here for him too. and Garland just like taking shots from anywhere. Um, and I'm, I'll be excited to see Kevin Porter Jr. and just kind of what I, I, I need like another month slash two months to kind of like relax. But once we get in the sure. season, I'll be, I'll be excited that it, that it's back. But Greg Schwartz, find his writing at Bleach Report. Read the trade thing. It's a little, again, different now due to uh, the trades, but I'll link that in the show notes and find him on Twitter at Cavs Greg BR. Greg, as always, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on.